Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles, would you, and open them to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And if you want to get ahead, we'll also be in the gospel of John. Hebrews chapter 11 and John chapter 3 in a Bible study that I've entitled, By Faith, Embrace God's Second Chance. By faith, embrace God's second chance. You know, as I was teaching last week, we were introduced, remember, to Moses' parents. And we were introduced to the midwives and Moses' sister and Moses' mom. And the big takeaway from our time together last time, well, a big takeaway, there were a few takeaways, but the big one was that as parents, as grandparents, even as uncles and aunts of nieces and nephews and cousins, as adults, as parents, we are not giving our kids to Egypt. And we declared loudly, Egypt can't have our kids. We're not giving our kids to Egypt. We're not just relegating this world and this culture which Egypt becomes a type and a picture. Just like Moses' parents decided not to give their son over to Pharaoh, the midwives decided not to give that baby boy born over to Pharaoh, we too have to make that decision not to give our kids to this world, not to just abandon our kids, to make it on their own, and they'll figure it out along the way. I've got to go in my career. i got to go handle my hobbies. I've got other things to do than raising my kids. No, you have one job, parent. You and I have one job, and that's to get our kids to heaven to deposit the gospel in their hearts, both by teaching and by example. Because we learned that more is caught than taught among our kids. And we left here with that sense of, yes, we are the primary discipler. We are the primary teacher of our children with one job. And it was after first service, after first service that I felt the Lord speaking to me that in the heaviness, Saturday night was heavy, First service was heavy, this service was heavy, but before even this service, I felt the Lord saying, Ed, next week I want you to remind my church that I'm the God of the second chance, that there are second chances with me, specifically for the parents that look at their lives and wonder if they could do it over or that they can have another chance. I felt like God saying, put together a message that speaks about how I reveal myself as the God of the second chance. And I want to encourage you today, by faith, to take that second chance from God. That God is available to you today. That it is never too late to decide to follow Him. You know, you really, we've had ingrained in us The grace of God reminds us, even culturally to some degree, this culture loves the underdog, loves to fight for those that have fallen to get up. And you know, we have that sense where when you see someone struggling and you see those that are undervalued, you see those that are bullied, you see those taken advantage of, you see those that are underrated, you see those that have prejudice against them, you see those that are forgotten, you have that sense where you want to see them win, you want to see them overcome, you want to see them get back up. Like the Bible says, though a man falls seven times what he'll rise again and we're like yes get up it's almost like we're the coach in the corner of the boxer that just got punched out and is knocked on their back and you're in the corner you're not yelling stay down stay down but rather as believers we're like get up you can make it get up let's do this together and that's the God of the second chance we're not happy when you fall we're not happy when you fail 
but rather we want to see you get up and get back into the race or get back into the good fight of faith. We don't want you to to get right up to the edge of sin. We don't want you to live life on the edge. Like I do on the stage sometimes, you know, people are looking, oh no, he's going to fall off, he's going to fall off because I'll get right up to the edge. I'll even put my foot across the edge here, feeling where I'm at. You go, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? No, you don't want to live life like that. You don't want this edge of the stage to represent sin in your life, to see how close you can get to it before you fall off. But rather, in any church that's teaching the Bible, any church that is honoring God, you're going, to be, you're going to be in a place where the pulpit is filled with a man who teaches you to stay away from sin, who begs you, don't do it, you'll regret it, it'll ruin you, it'll ruin the people that love you, it, it will hurt you, it will harm you. Not only will we beg you not to, we'll warn you of the devastating effects of sinful behavior. We'll warn you to say, don't go there. And even then, on the other side, we'll also tell you that if you've fallen, God is able to get you back up. If you failed, you can get get up again. I mean, think about Hebrews chapter 11. Everybody's in Hebrews 11 by this event that highlights their faith. By faith, by faith. I mean, you think about it as you look through, you got by faith Abel. Abel wasn't a perfect man. By faith Enoch wasn't a perfect man. By faith Noah. It's recorded for us that he wasn't a perfect man. By faith Abraham boy, Abraham made some serious sinful mistakes. By faith, Sarah, Sarah laughed at God when God gave her a promise. She's in there. You think of Isaac and all the mistakes that he made. Jacob, listen, one of the greatest mistakes, sinful mistakes that Jacob made was as a dad. He played favorites. He let things go. And yet he makes it into the hall of faith. Joseph, we don't have anything negative recorded for us in Scripture of Joseph, but he was a man born in sin. We know he had his issues too. And you can go on. Even Moses' parents, as they were highlighted last week, they weren't perfect. And so here you have a Bible filled with failure and mistakes and stumblings. But you know the Bible is not about the people in the Bible. The Bible is not a book about you and not a book about me. It's not a book about Abraham. It's not a book about Moses or his parents or Sarah or Isaac or Jacob. The Bible is about God, first and foremost. You'll never get the bearings in your life until you understand who God is. Jesus was very clear that the object of our life should be love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength then you love your neighbor as yourself. It's that order. A lot of times you look at the Bible and, and you might even read it like it's all about you. No, it's actually not about you at all. It's about God as he relates to you in relationship. And does it apply to your life? Well, for sure. Does it give direction for your life? Absolutely, but you'll never understand this book until you're born again until you have a right relationship with God. It will just be another book on the shelf and not give you the life-giving strength that it gives to believers and followers of Jesus Christ. When you look at the failures in your own life, perhaps you're like me where you're just like, like, like answer this out loud, right? Would it, wouldn't it be great if you could just start all over again? Okay, you gotta answer again. You guys online were much louder than everyone in the room. I could hear you in your front room. You ready? Wouldn't it be great if you could just start all over again? 
I think so. I think we've all come to that place. We've all done things we wish we didn't. We've all said things we wish we could take back. Uh, we've all been involved in things we're totally ashamed of. We've all been connected to people we should not have. And we wonder, is there any way to get a do-over? You know, as I'm preparing a Bible study, many, many years ago, I stopped using paper. I open up my laptop, I get an empty page on Microsoft Word, I open up my Bible program, and that's how I start. And I just type away, type away, type away. If I make a mistake, there's a button on my keyboard that helps me with mistakes. I just hit delete, delete. If it's a little mistake, I can just go delete, 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 really. But if it's a big one, I can actually highlight a whole paragraph. And one click of the button, it's disappeared. Wouldn't it be great to have a delete button in life? <laughs> but there's not. You can't highlight paragraphs of your life and not make them disappear. They're done. They're in the books, if you will. There's nothing that we can do to change them. A better question to ask is not, would I rather have a delete button in life? But how about this? A better question to ask is, can I be forgiven for the mistakes of my past? And the answer is yes. Can I be forgiven for my failures? Can I be forgiven for my sins? Yes. You can't change your past any more than you can unscramble an egg. But hopefully I can learn from my past. I can learn from my mistakes. I can learn from your mistakes. I can learn from my parents' mistakes. And I can make a choice to do it differently going forward. I can apply what Paul said. Paul said, forgetting those things that are behind, I press on. Oh, it's not that those things didn't happen, and it's not that those things in our past would not leave an indelible mark, but that they won't hold us back, that they won't tether us to the past, that although our past can be painful, harmful, difficult, we have the God who works all things together for the good. We have a God that even though something was evil meant toward us, God's meaning it for good to bring it about as it is this day. All the pains, all the hurts, all the injustices, all those feelings are just cries in our heart for the coming city whose builder and maker is God and not man. You won't find the kind of satisfaction you're looking for in this pilgrimage. It will always leave you, it will always leave you wanting more. It will always leave you wanting another world. Some of you today need a second chance. Some of you today need a second chance. Your marriage is falling apart. Your life is in tatters. You've made some very wrong decisions that have led you down a path that you're not happy with. Maybe you find yourself addicted to drugs. Perhaps you're trapped as an alcoholic. You're involved in an immoral lifestyle. You're starting to hang around with people that are changing the way you view God. Maybe none of these devastating things are in your life today. However, you're looking at episodes in your life that you wish you could change. And today is the day you can change. You might even be in a place where you say, it is, I'm so far gone, Ed, that I could never change. The sum of the bad decisions I've made in life are so far that I could never change. People get to that place. 
They get to that place where they look at their life and they think, you know what? I hear what you're saying, pastor. I hear what you're saying, mom. I hear what you're saying, dad, but you don't understand. If I choose to get my life right, it's going to be a very painful path. Because I'm going to have to go to this person and ask them, and I'm going to have to go pay this back, and I'm going to have to, and and you know what? You start to, you you convince yourself, and the Bible calls that you're self-deceived in thinking that your current condition is less painful than the the right decision that will put you in a right relationship with God and a right relationship with others. And I'm telling you right now, you will, you will want in your life forever until the Lord comes back, you will want the consequences of obedience above the consequences of disobedience every day of the week. You are not in a good place if you refuse to make the changes that God is requiring of you. You're not in a good place. It's not getting better. It will be more painful. It is wiser to take the chance today that God is extending to you. Sure, maybe you're not a deep alcoholic. Maybe that's not you today. But you've started down that path. You've started drinking. And I'm certain if you look back to when you started, you're drinking more than when you started. You start with one thing and it just progresses because your body's never satisfied. Oh, maybe it's not alcohol. Maybe maybe you're in the realm of drugs and you're like, well, you know what, I just, it's it's legal now. So, you know, I just started, I just started. And you know, I I just started smoking pot. It is not going to end there. Your body will crave more and more and more. And when you can't afford it, you'll go to a cheaper thing and a cheaper thing. And before you know it, you go, Ed, come on, you're being, you're being exaggerated here. Not for some. Before you know it, you'll be strung out on heroin. They go, oh, come on, Ed. No, no, there are testimonies of such. Believe me. Believe me when I say that. Trust me as I beg you and as I warn you. Whatever it is, God is offering you a second chance today. Especially those of you as parents. Because you know the message that we shared, I know there's two topics. There's a few more than two, but there's two topics that have a tendency to really stir us up. One is prayer. Because we can all pray more. So if I teach a Bible study on prayer, you're like, oh man, I know I need to pray more. I don't pray enough. And you could easily leave beating yourself up. The other one, parenting. I mean, there isn't a parent among us that that we can't look back and go, oh man, I wish I didn't do it that way. Or man, I wish I would have done it differently. I mean, trust me, everyone that has a parent here today, we all carry these things around. Like, yeah, I wish I would have done it differently, but I can't change it now. I did the best that I could with the resources and the tools that I had. And I'm a little more older now, a little more wiser now. I've got a little more tools in my toolbox now. And so I would do it differently. And here we are. God is asking you not to take the conviction of the Holy Spirit and turn it into self-condemnation. Self-condemnation. What, a way of understanding self-condemnation is that you beat yourself up for your failures. That does nothing. It just keeps you stuck. You beat yourself up. You, you live in shame. You, you, take, you can take, you and I, we could take the conviction of the Spirit and actually turn it into shame. You see, conviction, the conviction of the Spirit just says, you did wrong. You did wrong. You did wrong. And who, which one of us can't say, of course, I did wrong. I'm sorry. But shame is the belief that you are wrong. And for every believer... You're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
we no longer have to live in guilt and shame because God has saved us and forgiven us and cleansed us and washed us as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed us from our sin. It could just be, you can't just sit there and feel sorry for yourself as a parent because of your failures. That doesn't honor God. Sitting around feeling sorry for yourself is not going to enable you to take the second chance of God. He's ready to raise you up. He's ready to do a new work in you. He's ready to restore. He's ready to reconcile. But he can't do that in your life without your cooperation, without your submission and surrender. We come to John chapter 3 here because there may be those here today that need to not only need a second chance in life, but they actually need the big second chance, the big one, the only important one. Come to John chapter 3. The big second chance in life is that although you're separated from God by your sin, that you're dead spiritually in your trespasses and sin, God has made a way for you to have a second chance in life. There are no second chances after death. Understand that. Your eternity, the direction of your entire eternal life is made while you're alive. So if you're breathing right now and you can understand me, this is the time to take this chance. And it comes to us from this visit from a man by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a very religious man, very successful in all that he experienced up to this point. But there was an emptiness in him. And he heard about Jesus, heard that he was Messiah, and wanted to come to him with questions. And so he does. And we want to thank Nicodemus. So when you get to heaven and you're looking at all the lines and you find Nicodemus' line and you're there in line to meet him, when you get there, say, thank you for talking to Jesus and asking those questions. Because it's in answer to the questions of Nicodemus that we have some of the most beautiful, memorable truths that Jesus ever taught. The first one's in John chapter 3, verse 3. John chapter 3, verse 3, where he tells Nicodemus, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That is vital and important when it comes to second chances and third chance and fourth chance. That is so important to understand. You will not experience the life of God. You will not experience the joy of God. You will not receive the forgiveness of God unless you're born again. That puts us outside of the realm. That puts it outside of your ability. It has to be God. It's his work. God alone saves. It's not your baptism. It's not your confirmation. It's not how much you read the Bible. It's not how much you pray. It's not how moral you are or anything that we measure. The only way to enjoy God is to be born again. And the only way to be born again, well, notice in verse 16 now. Out of the 32,000 verses in the Bible, this has to be top dog in what is memorable and remembered and memorized and known by people worldwide, every generation, Jesus said to Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the good news, the gospel in one verse. 
Those of you struggling, well, I understand. I want to connect with my friends, and I want to, but what do I say? If all you know is John 3, 16, it's enough for someone to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I don't have time to unpack it, but I do want to give you some highlights of how important this verse is. And you go back to, the, to our app and listen to the study when I unpack this. But I, I want to give you the essence of this particular truth in John 3, 16. There's six things you see here. Number one, you see the source of salvation. It's God. He initiated it. Number two, you see the seriousness of your human condition that God loved you so much that he sent someone to save you from your sins. That's how much he loves you. So you see the source, you see the seriousness. Thirdly, you see the object of salvation. You, you're the object of salvation. The world, that, that means everyone that's living is the object of God's salvation. Church, don't you let anyone ever come to you with this man-made, made-up doctrine that's totally a man-made doctrine that says Jesus Christ only died for a select group of people and everyone else is goners. That's not true. Jesus died for everyone. Jesus died for you individually, collectively. Not just for one. Oh, Jesus, there's a doctrine that says Jesus only died for the elect. It's not true. He died for everyone. The elect are those that repented of their sins and received the Lord Jesus Christ. You go, Ed, how do I know if I'm elect? Great question. Repent of your sins today and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you to your face, welcome to the family of God, elect. Don't you believe it? The object of, don't you believe people when they say only a few people because that will make you feel like, well, I'm not good enough. I'll never make it. Who am I? I know I'm not elect. I'm messed up. No, Jesus died for messed up people like me and like you. And he invites you. Number four, not only source, seriousness, object. Number four, the demonstration the demonstration of, of the gospel where God so loved that he was moved to send the demonstration Jesus Christ dying on the cross while we were still yet dead in our trespasses and sins Christ died for the ungodly number five the offer the offer God's love goes out to all who will receive it and then finally the requirement the requirement salvation is given but it must be received it must be received it's a gift some people think of God as an angry, vengeful deity who's just out to ruin your fun and destroy your life. That's not true. God loves you. And he loves you more than any person that's ever loved you. He's loved you so much that he gave his son an eternal life. And he extends it to you today as a gift. A gift. And what do we do with gifts? We receive them. We open them. We enjoy them. Now, it's funny. It's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, different people open gifts differently. Generally, guys, when you get a gift, you just rip it open, break the box, and open it up. Man, I just want what's inside. The paper, the bow, they're all just obstacles to get to the gift. Generally, though, the ladies, when they open a gift, they go, ooh, so pretty. Look at the paper. This is great. Look at the bow and the time they spent on the bow. And then you carefully, you might even steam it a little bit to get the tape off so that you, when you open it, you save the paper. Why? You want to use it again. It's so pretty. For guys, hey man, just give me the Amazon box. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Just hand it to me. 
Well, God says this, no matter how you open a gift, receive it. You, you don't, when you get a gift, I, I've never seen this before personally, but when you get a gift, you don't go, wow, oh, what do I need to do to earn this? I know what I'll do. I'll work for you. I'll mow your lawn. Thanks for the gift, but I won't open it till I mow your lawn, till I fix your car, till I clean your gate. Nobody does that. Generally, generally, we just receive it. However, that feeling is often typified by this. You receive a gift, and what many times your response is this. Oh, you didn't have to. What? No, they wanted to. Oh, you didn't have to. No, they wanted to. That's the thing about a gift. They were thinking about you. They love you. They want to express it to you. You don't oh, you didn't have to. I know they didn't have to. They love you. That's the whole point of a gift. They didn't have to, but we have that sense of, wow, if they give me a gift, I don't know what that means. Well, this is what it means. Receive it and enjoy it. Because somebody loves you, cares for you, wants to bless you. And think about this. What if God moved them to give you that gift? What if God put it on their heart and your response is, oh, you shouldn't have to. What you're saying is, don't obey God next time. No, no, tell them. Hey, if God ever tells you, give me a gift once a month, put me on the once a month gift club. I'm fine with it. Receive it. But also remember Jesus said, it's more blessed to give. Can you imagine the body of Christ being the best gift givers in our culture? It's a beautiful thing. And God is offering you the gift of the second chance today. Maybe it's the big one. And today you need to repent of your sins. Or perhaps you're in a position where you need to understand that no matter what your failures are, God wants you to accept that gift of the second chance. Can I take you one more place before we leave? Notice Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. If you read on from John 3.16, you'll see that it, it wasn't the motive of Jesus to condemn you. It wasn't the motive of Jesus to hang some heavy trip on you. He didn't come into this world to condemn, but to save. And we are the best and the most safest and most encouraging place when we're in Christ. Notice in verse 1 of chapter 8 in Romans. If you're new to the Bible, Romans is just to the right of John. And of course, if you're on your phone or your iPad, you can just click it on. Notice verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So the place to be on earth is in Christ, born again. Jump to verse 30. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Basically, John 30, I mean, Romans 8.30 is saying the salvation is a full package. It covers the past, the present, and the future. And verse 31, because of that, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not, this is another, this next verse, verse 32, is another perspective of John three sixteen. Check this out. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? See, the gift is not just salvation. Everything in life, God is going to give. You want to be a better parent? God's ready to give that to you. You want to be a better husband? God's ready to give that to you. You want to be a better friend? God's ready to give that. How will he not freely give you the things that are on your heart? The things that you want to improve in. The areas where you want to see change. God is ready to freely give you all these things. Are you ready to receive them? Are you ready to take it? It says in verse 33, Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Well, I'll tell you, a lot of people like to charge God's elect. 
including ourselves. We can be our own worst critics. We can beat ourselves up when nobody else is doing it. But it's God that justifies, so stop it. Not only that, verse 34, who is he who condemns? I'll tell you what, a lot of people like to condemn, including ourselves. But it's Christ that died. I'm so glad that it's not me. It's Christ that died. And furthermore, is also risen and is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or even sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. And yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And today, God is ready to give you that second chance. He's ready, church. And so as Pastor Ian and the worship team comes up, I want to invite you to respond to the second chance today. You already know, as we're waiting, we're we're not leaving. This is a holy and a high moment, and God is ready to move. And if you want your sins forgiven today, if you want to know that when you die, you'll go to heaven, if you want that hole in your heart filled, if you're ready for the return of Jesus Christ, you want to be in that position of readiness, or if you've fallen away, you've backslidden, you're caught in regret, God is inviting you to receive that second chance today. He's inviting you. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to invite you to get up from your chair and come up here to the stage for prayer right during this song. An altar call. If you want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, I am calling you to the altar that you would get up and make a public statement to say, I want to receive the second chance of God. I want, I want that to be memorable in my mind. I want to be born again, some of you are going to say. Others of you are going to say, I want to be in a place where I make changes, practical changes. I want to pray over that. I want you to pray over me, Pastor. So as Pastor Ian leads us in this song, I want to invite you right where you are. You guys online, of course, you're going to have to do that and acknowledge it there online. You guys on the radio, even if you're emotional right now, you might want to pull your car over and just like stop what you're doing and focus your attention on God. But you guys in the room have the privilege. This is the gift of being in a room when an invitation comes, you can act on it and it will forever be in your mind. God will always remember you, remind you of this day, the rest of your life. And so if that's you, just get up right, keep your mask on, but don't worry about the distance up here. Keep your mask on and uh, come on up. And I wanna pray with you. So just get up right where you're at during this song. Anyone else that's here in the room, we want to not leave without you. And you can just come on up. And uh, pastors, with your permission, you guys all give us permission, lay hands on you. You guys all right with that? Anybody? Good. So pastors, come on up. Maybe if you're on the prayer team normally, come on up. And um, anyone else that needs to to come up, come on up. And I want to pray with you guys. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that the Lord would do a work in your life, uh, that today would be the day of change. And so just, just in your mind, picture yourself coming into the presence of God and His holiness and His righteousness and His goodness. And you can just say, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. And I ask you to help me overcome my weaknesses. I accept today the second chance. I want to follow you. I want to live for you. I'm laying before you my faults and my failures and my sin. Remove the condemnation and the shame and the guilt. And help me, God, to follow you, forsaking my past. 
and committed, dedicated to you. And Father, I pray for these men and women that you're, I pray for their marriages, I pray for their singleness, I pray for their kids and their grandkids, and even by faith, their great-grandkids, that Egypt can't have our kids, Egypt can't have our church, Egypt can't have our marriage, it can't have our singleness, that we will be pilgrims in this world, but not of this world. And so I pray that you would honor the desire and commitment, both here, those that are sitting, that were kind of embarrassed, they didn't really want to get up, but you see them and you love them. Those online, those on the radio, those that are listening to this sometime in the future, may you pour out your spirit in these last days and may you bless those that turn to you today, right here, in this moment. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. God bless you guys.